Did you know that research studies show that, that optimism has a direct link to some of our key psychological attributes, such as our mental health, our well-being, mindfulness, compassion, kindness, and having a strong sense of purpose. At the Davidson Center of Healthy Minds, researchers found that only 25% of our optimism is pre-programmed in us by our genes, and the rest establishing an optimistic and balanced view of life is up to us. In today's episode of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast, we're doing a mental health and wellness checkup to see, are you okay? And are we okay? Now here's your host, Deborah Harmon Peter. Welcome to Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast, and I'm your host, Deborah Harmon Pugh. I am so glad to have you join us today because National Women's Health Month is coming in just a few short weeks. And today we are having a mental health and wellness checkup for me and for all of you too. We know that so many women in their families are facing a growing amount of mental health and wellness challenges. Studies show that nearly 45% of the American society is struggling with mental health and wellness issues, as we are all working together to navigate a path through today's challenging times. According to a recent report in Axios, women's mental health and wellness is being disproportionately impacted during these challenging times. And the New York Times reports that women are taking on additional work at home as well, be it schooling, nonstop housekeeping, and 24-7 round-the-clock family care. So it makes sense why women may be experiencing higher rates of health and wellness challenges. Now make no mistake, as women, we should always be doing regular health and wellness checkups, even before we began wrestling with an ongoing global pandemic. In today's episode of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast, we have an exciting advocate for women's health and wellness joining us to see if I'm okay and to see if you're okay too. Today's special guest is retired Major Stephanie Baker-Jones. She's also a new book author, and she's here today to take us on an optimistic journey to reclaim a sense of peace, joy, and to get balance back into our everyday lives. So now is a good time to get some paper, get a pen, so that you can take some notes because you'll be meeting Stephanie Baker-Jones just after this short break. Would you like to be recognized as a podcast conversation starter? Send your suggestions and ideas for upcoming shows to us at info at because we're always elated to hear from our audience and the podcast community. Don't forget to stay in touch and follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Vets Rock and Facebook at Women Veterans Rock. Good afternoon, Major Stephanie Baker Jones. I am delighted to welcome you to Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. 
Well, it is just a joy to have you with us here today on our show because Major Stephanie, this is an unusual time that we are all experiencing in our country, and I could not think of a better guest to have with us this week because you are simply a ray of sunshine, and it is important for us to find out how do we regain and reclaim some balance in our lives. And so I'd like to start right off the bat, tell our listeners about this magnificent book that you just recently wrote, Major Stephanie. The book is a uh, deep look into some of the processes that I went through after, uh, frankly, the, my life fell apart. Um, you know, I was, I'm a major in the Army. I retired. Um, I'm a nurse, corps officer, mother, grandmother, all of that. And I found myself at 50 eight years old, uh, divorced, and alone, and, and almost broke, right? So, Major Stephanie, now yes. I understand why you have titled your book, Journey to Self, How to Get Back to You. So when I look at your book, I, I was so excited that when I got to the table of contents and began to pour through it, one of the very first chapters that you have in your book is, Are You Okay?, And I think that that is a very powerful yet simplistic question to ask. So what is it that you mean when you say, are you okay? Because I'd like to use today's discussion to not just say to one individual, are you okay? I'd like to be able to take that question and pose it to our listeners and our community at large. But first, have us understand, why did you start your book with, are you okay? Well, I I really felt that in order to create anything, you have to start with nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that you have to get all the way back to what is the foundation. So as we were talking before, you have to get back to who are you when you're by yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Who are you when you're by yourself? Because that is going to be the measure of what is it that you provide to others, right? Mm -hmm. You can only give what you have inside of you. You cannot give what you don't have. Mm -hmm. You hear that in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And so if all you have inside of you is love and fascination and, you know, peace, that's what you give. If you have turmoil and anxiety, that's what you give. So you have to get down to, like, really look at your world, be, we, we talked about authentic, be authentic, be uh, truthful to yourself, and really characterize what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And if it's not what you want, you have to recognize that you have to go internally mm-hmm. to alter that. Uh, and, and Stephanie, I'd like to just take a minor detour so that our listeners could understand why do we look to you in terms of giving us some voice about nurturing ourselves and caring for ourselves. Why do you have innately and professionally this expertise of helping people to care for themselves and to care for others? Wow. 
when I graduated high school, I was actually uh, in the exact same place I am today. You know, when we talk about um, uh, uh, morally or educational, so I was a, I'm a registered nurse, um, right? I'm a surgical nurse. I'm a surgical nurse educator. I'm an independent registered nurse patient advocate, which is someone who's functional medicine who looks at how to uh, take care of uh, people uh, from a holistic standpoint, right? Uh, of course, I'm a, I'm a retired Army major. You know, the, the Navy as a corpsman and the Army as a nurse were like the loves of my life. You know, I, I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate um, having that service. You know, my mother, I'm a grandmother, um, you know, my mother-in-law, my daughter, you know, and, I, and I'm an educator. You know, I, I taught, teach health and wellness. I'm a health ministry leader. Um, I have a love for people. And, and, you know, all of the things that I have learned in my life, all of the things that I have done in my life were to gain that information and share it with someone else so that they could have a easier ride of it. Well, thank you for having us understand your background. And, of course, I I have a real good sense of who you are as an individual, who you are as a professional, and I do think it's important for our listeners to know that as we get into the details of your book and we get into your coaching and advice on how do we um, get back to ourselves, get back to some balance in our lives, that they understand that you come from a place of experience and that you come from a place of professional education and many years of experience as a nurse and as a surgical nurse, that you have taken those experiences and that information and that education, and after retiring from the military, you've turned that into becoming a nurse educator. Right now, we as um, a country, as communities, and as individuals, we are all observing these unusual set of circumstances. We hear people say that tw- the one thing that's, that's interesting is 2020 is a year and a, and, a, and a time and space of its own. So I'd like for you to take that first chapter in your book where you ask the individual reader, how are you? And I'd like for you to spend a moment in posing that question to us as a community. How are we? So as you pose that question to us as a community, have us understand in what context you are inquiring about who we are so that you can coach us through the process to achieve better balance in our lives by the time we get to the end of today's conversation. My father, he passed in March, and he passed in March right before the pandemic hit, okay? So we were able to see him in the hospital. You know, we were able to go in and out freely, no, no, no problem. Then the pandemic hit, and that type of family closeness was, was banished, basically. You can't do that anymore. And so at that moment in time, you know, you look at yourself and you know, what, what is life about? You know, what, has, what constitutes being okay? So family, right, that's one of the main things that if you are – in this, which we all are, and you are with your family, it's a blessing. There are many people that have not been able to be with their family members when they uh, transitioned. That, that's horrible. And so for those of us who were able to have that, um, it's great. 
We want to be able to maximize all those moments of family time. So that's one way to assess your okayness. You know, how are you connecting with your family? And who, who is now becoming the new family, right, that we are able to now um, uh, bring into our lives because community and family has kind of morphed into a greater um, construct because that's something that we now need to support our souls in this kind of social distancing world. Well, thank you for taking us through step one of your, your book and that first chapter of Are We Okay? And I'm sorry to hear about the passing of your dad, but it mm-hmm. sounds like it was um, an opportunity for the family to come together as he transitioned and for him to transition around his loved ones and for everyone to be at peace. So when we look at this first question of are we okay, that takes us to the second step, acknowledging where we are as individuals, where we are as a community and a country. How do we acknowledge exactly where we are? I think that one of the ways to acknowledge where we are is to actually take a a look at a gauge of, um, you know, how, how are we managing our lives? Almost like whenever there's a major uh, disaster, people start checking their bags, right, their emergency bags um, to assess how they would manage in the, in the future. So I think once you establish where you are, then you, now you have to look and see, okay, where can I improve my current circumstances? So, you know, you have to really assess where you are, you know. So, yeah, I'm okay, but now I need to start fixing the infrastructure that was damaged and build on that structure so that I can maintain my functioning regardless of what happens externally um, outside of my family. In terms of acknowledgement, you said that we need to establish where we are. And one of the things that you and I have talked about is that as a society, we find that there are a couple of big areas that we are all experiencing the same thing in life right now. And some of those big areas would be we're all experiencing uh, what's going on with our families, and that is either keeping them safe or other kinds of family-related responsibilities in this unusual time of 2020. There's health, there's economics, and there's government. And so, and it's really a lot more than that. But if we were to take a look at those four things, let's talk about these four big areas that as a country and as a community, we are all experiencing at least that's of circumstances. Family, you know, what, what family members do we have available and how do we maintain our connection with them? Not taking advantage of the fact that you have people that love you. You have to make sure that you're connecting with these people. Now, economics, we have to really, uh, really go back to go back to our budgets. Really look at what we're what we're uh, what we're spending. I think um, taking a look at um, the level of consumerism that you um, are involved in. You know, we all have to look at how do we access our goods and services. You know, what is our retirement plan, because we've had a lot of people that have some devastating losses, you know, uh, people losing their jobs, entrepreneurs losing their businesses, you know, so, so there's a lot of um, reasons why uh, we need to look at 
how, what where we are and kind of kind of curl in, right? <laughs> kind of focus in. So that's for economics, and then um, you know the government people have to exercise their rights. I'm in a really uh, tricky position. You know, I'm a retired Army major, and I'm an African-American woman. And, and there are many, and I live in a town that's predominantly white. So, you know, I could be scared and mean and all that kind of stuff, but that wouldn't help anything. It's just difficult with government because I, I, I'm so grateful for the service that I provided to this country and it's just very painful to um, experience some of the things that, you know, we experience as, as African Americans. But, you know, we have to exercise their rights, and we have to recognize that, um, you know, our government is for us, and we just have to do those things that we need to do to return it back to the people, which is to vote, you know, and to vote your conscience. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, thank you for giving us some of the lighter sides and the anecdotal sides of how do we look at this, that phase of acknowledging where we are as, um, as a community and where we are as individuals. So we are doing a check-in to seeing how are we as a society. We have to take a moment to talk about what's our perceptions of where we are. And I think I heard you touch on how do we view where we are. Can you give us some thoughts about that? It's, it's very, very interesting um, when you recognize that your world is basically a mirror of your thought process. So, for instance, me, you know, my thoughts are always happy and loving, and that's the world that I get to have, right? But... For people who are afraid of, you know, this thing happened and I'm afraid that thing is going to happen again. And so as you think, dog, I hope that thing that I don't want to have happen doesn't happen, you're giving energy to that negative thought, which is going to bring that negative thing right to you. Think about what would be happening if the negative thing didn't happen. Oh, well, let's focus on that. Don't focus on the step might break, and you're not going to get to the porch, think, dang, when I'm sitting on that porch, how wonderful that's going to feel. So you get what you focus on. Mm-hmm. And if your perception if your perception is negative things are going to happen, negative things are going to happen. If your thoughts are positive things are happening, mm-hmm. positive things are happening. You said something that was really important. You said when we look at perceptions, it is the world that we get to have. And so from that, I think I'm hearing you say it's our choice. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, um, uh, one of the parts, what I say in the book is if people knew that they could be happy all the time, why wouldn't they choose that? Yes. If you knew, if you, knew you had a choice to be happy or sad, why would you be sad? I think we only get upset about things when we start trying to manipulate the circumstances mm-hmm. instead of living into them. This is a challenge. It's a season, but guess what? It's not the last one you're going to encounter. So in this journey to self 
and we get to get some clarity around how we are managing our perceptions of the circumstances that are happening in our lives and in our world, in order for us to do that, you said that um, the world that I get to have, and that's a choice. So when, we make, when you make that statement that it is our choice, that comes to another step in our journey, and that is doing a self-assessment. Yes. Talk to us about doing the self-assessment. Yeah. So, um, you know, really, I got to I got to look at myself because you know over the years you look at you know who have I been right consistently over the years. But then it's like, but but who am I? I you know I and I and I'm you know doing different those business things. So what I recognize in looking at how to characterize my business, so you know this, um, uh, as, a, as someone creating a business, right, you, you start with a plan. You start with a business plan. You start with a, a mission. And so you want to get down to who am I and what, am, what do I feel that I am here to provide. And when you're clear in your vision, that's the, that's the assessment completed, right? So my, my mission statement for myself, was that in all circumstances, in every day, every individual that I interact with would have a positive connotation. I was going to be, I was going to be a positive impact on any person that I interacted with. So that, and that does not give me the right to be upset with anyone, right? I'm a positive impact. Now, I'm not saying I don't ever get upset, but in my upset, I, I leave a positive taste in the person's mouth that I'm interacting with. So that's my, that was my assessment that this is who I am, and now from this point forward, that's where I'm headed. Well, thank you for that. You said that when winds come, we must have a plan in order to regain some balance in our lives. And everyone knows that we are in the midst of swirling mm. winds that's going on in our society that's affecting us in terms of our families and in terms of health and economics and, and government on all levels, uh, government in terms of institutions. And so the winds are here. But, Stephanie, you mentioned a moment ago that you have a plan for us, a seven-step process on how we can get balance back in our lives. So let's walk through those seven steps in this process. So journaling is a big one, and, and you'll hear that in lots of different places. And, you know, you may not be someone. I'm not journaling every day. You don't have to journal every day. You journal when you feel like it, right? But get something to where you can, you know, write down. Honestly, I have several little notebooks because there's different thoughts that I have about different things that I put in different places. But sometimes, you know, having those ideas in your head does kind of keep things swirling. So sometimes when you write them down, you know you're not going to lose it. And part of the journaling is creating positive affirmations. Now, you can get positive affirmations from other places, but the most powerful positive affirmations are the ones that you create for yourself and read to yourself. I love this first step in your process, which is journaling. Yes. People will find that, as you said, that journaling is a very cathartic experience. It's a time for people to reflect. It's a time for people to create. 
And it's a time for people to be alone with their thoughts in a way that they can capture them and see them on paper. So I agree with you um, generally as the first step in your process of how to get balance back in your life is a fantastic way to start. And then you mentioned positive affirmations. And it is uh, wonderful to be able to hear you suggest that we find ways to speak positive things into our lives, not just once in a while, but on a daily basis. That's good. When we look at positive affirmations, that's a a motivating exercise and really is not that difficult. So I think that's encouraging to share with people in the seven-step process where and how can you find um, uh, inspirational things to uplift you on a day-to-day basis. So you've talked to us about journaling, about having positive affirmation. What comes next in your seven-step process? Well, sharing the wealth, Mm -hmm. sharing the wealth. When you are taking care of yourself, when you're loving on yourself, it is so easy with the overflow of love that you are pouring on yourself to pour it on someone else. And that's the whole point, really, of being abundant, isn't it? This feeling so inspirational to me. We are um, journeying through the seven-step process, and we're, even though we're halfway through this, um, I already feel uplifted and excited, and I feel I... a sense of joy from your energy that's coming through in this interview. So after we share the wealth, tell us about the next step. Self-acceptance. And this is a tricky one because, again, when you're doing well and you're sparkling, you know, people want to be around you. And so, Absolutely. you know, and you're, you're giving and you're sharing. And, and so, but, and then you get to a point where, okay, so do these people like me because I'm giving them stuff and sharing <laughs> stuff with them or do they like me for myself? You have to be at a point where what will I accept and what will I not accept? And you have, to, you have to love yourself enough to not allow people to treat you badly, regardless. And, and love them. Love them as you're telling them that they need to step back out of your life or out of your immediate circle. They may not, they may not have to not interact with you ever. They just, you just may have to limit access to yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, that step number four of self-acceptance really does take us back to the early uh, description in this journey, and that is establish where we are. Yes. And once we have some sense of self, as you say, self-acceptance, then we can move on to the next stage in this process, which takes us up to actually point number five. What's next, Stephanie? Once you are clear who you are and you understand who you are, it's not being tied to other people's perception of what you should be doing in your life. Because that's the only, that's the only time you're unsatisfied with your life is when somebody else is looking at your life saying it should be something else. Like, like okay, the book. I wrote the book, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy about it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a job. I have a little part-time job that I'm at, and I'm, you know, I, was, I gave my book out a little bit. And some people, you know, they found out I wrote a book. Okay. Now, one of the young men was reading, looked through the book. He got to the end, right? There's some, there's some uh, pages in the end, right, that, that haven't been uh, written on. And he goes, why is this, why is all these pages in the back? And I was like, that's just the way it is. It's not supposed to be like that. I was like, what, what are you talking about, right? It's not supposed to be like that. I was like, well, well, 
how does your book look? <laughs> right? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, well, how can you tell me how a book is supposed to be if you've never written one yourself? And, you know, and people were like, they thought I should be upset with him, that I should be mad at him, mm-hmm. right, for pointing out something negative about my book. No, that has nothing to do with me, mm-hmm. right? So, so I'm so comfortable with myself that I don't care about you saying something negative about my book. What has that got to do with me? You know, people, mm-hmm. people, cannot, people cannot fluster you if you know who you are, <laughs> right? That's, that's a very rich perspective when we talk about having peace within ourselves, peace of mind, peace of body, and peace of spirit. When we begin to live by other people's praise, we suffer from their criticism. And right. so we come from a place of self-acceptance, which was the step before, in order to, to know that we are really in a place of being pleased and comfortable with ourselves, we come to this sense of peace. And I yeah. think it's important. And it, it allows us not to have to live and die by other people's praise or perceptions of us. And yeah. so that, that's step number five in the seven-step process. Tell us what number six is. So this is a good one. Celebrate your successes. You know, I'm a, look, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a nerd who has lots of different degrees. You know, I used to collect degrees. That was one of the ways. That was, that was my love language to myself, right, because I felt like if I, the smarter I was, the, the better that made me, right, because that, that boosted my value. Mm. But yet. When I, when I talk to people about my, this degree or that degree, you know, you'd have people going, uh, so who do you think you are? Right, that kind of stuff. But it's like, you know, so, so then I got to the point where I wouldn't even tell people. I'm a kid just like anybody else. I want to tell you what grade I got on my, on my test. Just, mm-hmm. because, just because I'm on a doctoral program doesn't mean I don't care about my grades or that I want somebody, you know, guess who I, guess who I get to call all the time and tell about my grades? My mother, Right? <laughs> You can always tell your mother, Mama, I got a B plus. Woohoo, girl, good, right? But you, you want to have people that allow you to, to celebrate your successes. You know, you don't want to be around a bunch of people who are salty every time you do something great for yourself. I loved hearing you characterize in your old mind's framework that success was your love language. And oh, my God. <laughs> have to understand that there's a big S of success and there's a small S of success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In your description, the big S of success was collecting degrees, getting more certifications professionally as a surgical nurse and a nurse educator. So that was the big S in your love language. Then there's also, I heard you touch on the small S in your love language, and that is the success of um, achieving small things from day to day. So when we talk about celebrate our success, it is important for us to remember there's a big S in success and there's a small S in success, and I think we should celebrate each one of them. I can't wait to hear what's number seven in this process of how do we get and keep balance in our lives. So number seven is probably the best one. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Rinse and repeat, right? Do it all over again Just and keep doing it, right? It's not even about starting from the beginning. It's almost like the, the, spoke of, the spokes of the wheel, 
mm-hmm. right? Like all, like all, all lines lead to the center, which is repeat the process. You keep it going. When something happens and you, you do well, celebrate that success. Then you journal about it. Then you write a positive affirmation about it. Then yes. you go share something with somebody else because of that, right? Yes. And you, right, you tell yourself how, how fantastic you are because you did that. You know, yes. you accept yourself, and then you share that with somebody else, and then you do that again. You keep picking stuff that is based on you helping other people, and then you keep doing that. You know, you keep, look, outdo yourself. How much can I give this time? Who can I support next time? How many people can I help when I do that, right? And, and the thing is, you always get what you give. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This has been some kind of fantastic journey, a journey to ourselves, a journey back to getting balance back in our lives. This is Stephanie Baker-Jones. She's a mother, a grandmother, a nurse, an educator, retired Army major, entrepreneur, and she has found a way to take us along on this journey today to give us a sense of comfort, a sense of joy, and a sense of balance on how do we get balance and how do we keep balance in our lives. Uh, Major Stephanie Baker-Jones, I just have to thank you for taking me along today on your journey back to you. How do we get our hands on this amazing, fun, inspirational book, Journey Back to Self? How do we get back to you? Well, it's Journey to Self, How to Get Back to You. It's on Amazon.com, and I would be so grateful um, if you allow me to share with you in that way. I'm so, thank you so much for having me. Well, I am just so appreciative of you taking us through this how-to phase of your book, of your experience, and how do we get and keep balance back on our lives. And I have to tell you, Stephanie, genuinely, you put a smile on my face. And I'm just very grateful for today's conversation. Thank you for joining us here in, uh, along with the members of our posse. If there's anything that you'd like to leave our audience with before we go. Of course, you know us veterans, women veterans rock. Yes, we do. (laughs) This episode of Women Veterans Rock on the Hill, the podcast, is sponsored by Comcast NBC Universal. Comcast NBC Universal is a leader in media and technology, and we thank them for their enduring service, support, and advocacy on behalf of women veterans, military families, and the entire military community. Click the link in our bio for more information on the Comcast NBC Universal commitment to supporting the military community. If you're listening to this episode on YouTube, click on the Spotify, Overcast, Apple, or Google Podcast links to subscribe to our show and get notifications of new episodes today. And there's one last thing before we go. As women, we must work to protect and preserve a balanced sense of mental health and wellness. You can achieve balance through practice and through prevention. You can practice to prioritize yourself. You can create boundaries to help protect your sense of sanity. And in the words of the designer Janet Gwynn, remember to take time to make your soul happy. Now, Posse, take us home. This is Jay Latre. If you enjoyed the music in today's episode, 
please feel free to follow me on Instagram at L-A-T-R-E-Y Music, where I'm constantly posting new music and upcoming releases for the show. Thank you. Peace, love, nothing but the best. Latre out.